This episode of Safe Space Radio is brought to you with support from the Equity Fund, Physicians for Social Responsibility, and listeners like you. This is WMPG. I'm Dr. Ann, and this is Safe Space Radio. Today is the final episode of our nine-week series on LGBTQ teens in Maine. We've heard from kids around the state about what it's been like to find out that they were different in this way and to address the challenges of expressing and affirming that difference. We've also heard from a parent, a teacher, and an openly gay writer about ways to support LGBTQ kids as they navigate the coming out process. Today, we're going to play you some short stories from young people who are facing these issues now, at this moment when so much is changing in our country. Most people have things that they keep to themselves, but they don't have to come forward with them in a public way. These are stories about the courage it takes to actually do that and how powerful that experience can be. My name is Robin, and I'm from South Portland. This is a story about discovering who I am. I had always thought of myself, not necessarily that I seemed straight, but at least I seemed neutral, and I didn't appear to have any tendencies that would really lead you to believe anything other than that. And part of my voyage of self-discovery was finding home videos after many, many years of not seeing them. I remember watching one scene where I was playing in the yard with some friends, and I was dressed in uh, women's clothing, and, um, and my mom said something to me, and she referred to me as male, and I said, no, mommy, I'm a woman. Uh, my name is this, and this is, you know, I'm female. And she said, oh, well, okay, all right. And, you know, she just went on. And um, But it was like, wow, I had no idea. It was really fascinating for me to see that moment where I said, you know, I'm okay with stepping out of myself and being something different. And I got to see a little glimpse of the person I'd end up being. You know, I kind of, I never really thought about it, but I kind of was under the impression that, you know, the gay doesn't start until you realize you're gay. That was a huge moment, realizing that I was myself all along. You know, you are who you are through and through, and you can't change it. You can, you know, miss the clues, but <laughs> but you're still yourself. Poet Richard Blanco was our guest on last week's show, and Robin's story really reminded us of one of Richard's poems, so we asked him to read it for us. This is Richard Blanco from Bethel, and this is a poem I wrote. This poem, um, it's a childhood memory poem, and it it's, makes me wonder sometimes why I'm not a drag queen, um, <laughs> as you'll see in the poem. But I find this poem works on many levels, and part of it was that sense of disempowerment that comes... In, sort of when you're a gay youth and not even knowing what exactly is wrong with you, just knowing that something is wrong with you because other people are telling you this. But I think it's about that wish to sort of be able to make everything better. And it's based on Endora, um, who is uh, from the Bewitched program, is the mother-in-law, the uh, Samantha's mother. Afternoons as Endora. 
I'm a boy who hates being a boy, who loves cats and paint-by-number sets. She's a witch who loves being a witch, who hates mortals. Every afternoon, she pops in on Channel 6, on top of a lampshade or a banister, and I disappear behind the locked door of my bedroom. I paint my fingernails crayon red, wrap a towel around my head like her bouffant, tie my sheets around my chest into a chiffon moo-moo, just like hers, the bedspread draped over my shoulders like her mauve cape. We give Durwood cat-eye scowls and scoff at Samantha's patience with mortals. In our raspy voices, we cast spells, turning Mrs. Kravitz into a chihuahua and the boys at recess into ants I can squish. With a flick of our wrists, we puncture the milkman's truck tires and conjure up thunderstorms to rain out our baseball practice. With a wave of our billowy sleeves, we give Larry Tate amnesia and trick my mother into signing me up for art classes. We brew bat's wings with eyes of newt in potions to make me like girls and my father a little more. We turn my grandmother into a mute so she can't scream at me. Go play outside. Don't be such a sissy. Talk like a man, will you? For 30 minutes, we sit on clouds, drink bubbly brews from cognac glasses, gaze into the crystal ball at my wonderful future until, poof, she disappears into a cloud of smoke, leaving me alone in my room again. The boy, afraid of being a boy, dressed like a witch, wanting to vanish too. My name is Emily, and I'm from Kennebunk, and this is a story about how my grandmother reacted to me becoming involved in the political side of the gay rights movement. So when I turned 16, my aunt brought me down to St. Croix for my 16th birthday, and we were sitting at a hillside restaurant, beautiful views, you know, very scenic, amazing dinner, and my aunts wanted me to talk about what I've been doing in school and what's been new, and... I started telling them how I just got elected the president of my GSTA and how I'm part of the Jumpstart team and just everything that I've been doing. And out of nowhere, my grandmother's like, this isn't appropriate for dinner and this just, it's making me uncomfortable and you just need to stop. This is bad what you're doing. Um, and this was when I first started like questioning my sexuality and, you know, so it was hard to hear that from her because she's one of my biggest role models. That changed how I looked at a lot of things like I just put a lot of um validity in her statement and I was like well maybe this isn't okay maybe my mom was wrong and my parents were wrong and should I not be president like should I drop out of everything like I really questioned everything that was like towards the end of the vacation and I was kind of like oh wow like this just kind of put like a whole damper on the whole thing um and I came home and I talked to my mom and I was destroyed. I was just like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And we had a lot of conversations about what I should say and if I should say something to her. And finally, just one day I was at her camp and I was like, you know, Meme, can I talk to you about something? And I was like, you know, I have a lot of resentment toward you right now. Like, I have a lot of ill feelings toward you and I don't want that because I love you. And we talked about it and she said that when she grew up that, you know, gay people just weren't a thing like you didn't talk about it if you thought you were you know you were wrong and 
people got disowned her brother was gay and her parents stopped talking to him at 18 like he didn't go to their funeral when they passed away like it was just like a disconnect like he never existed just her like saying that because she was crying when she was telling me and you know apologizing for everything she had ever said to me and she was like I'm so sorry for ever hurting you or so she's soft ended the last time we had to talk she actually ended with well I'm really proud of you and I love you a lot no matter what and I was like oh this is great <laughs> So it's a year later after I had the conversation with my grandmother and she's nothing but supportive of me and everything that I do for gay rights and marriage equality and the Jumpstart team and everything and she was talking to her friend after marriage equality passed in Maine and her friend was like well did you hear about what happened in Maine and my grandmother was like well what do you mean she's like the homosexuals are taking over and my grandmother was like you know that's absolutely wrong like why would you say that when she was telling me the story she got all worked up and her face got red she was doing all the French hands gestures and just really getting into it like someone was taking a stab at like herself like she was defending me like she was defending herself before that she was making it seem like she never supported gay people and now that she's defending them it was just perfect Change your heart Look around you Change your heart It will astound you And I need your love My name is Samantha. I'm from Westbrook, and this is my story of when I first came out to be a transgender. It was the hardest decision ever, not knowing if my family would support me or if my friends would support me of who I was. Um, back in June, um, before going into junior year, there was a day where I knew this is going to be the day. I was no longer a boy, that I was a girl from now on. I would try different outfits on, seeing what would work with my body shape, what wouldn't work with my body shape. And I just knew, you know, trying on clothes and everything, that it felt so right and it felt so good to be myself. And in between June and the beginning of the school year, um, I would just dress up and go out, and no one, no one has ever known. Uh, and I would always get compliments, are you a model, you're so pretty, and it was like so great. I loved it so much. 
so the first day of school, I really couldn't sleep during the night. Um, I did wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I was like, okay, now I'm going to get ready. I might as well since I'm already up. And um, so I go into the bathroom and, you know, wash my face off and put on my makeup. And I remember that day I wore a low cut white tank top and I had on flip flops and these um, dark blue skinny jeans and I was ready to go. I was so nervous. I was waiting for the bus shaking and I got to the school. I took in three deep breaths and I said, this is it. This is the day you are going to be known for who you really are. And I walked through those doors and it felt like there was a stage light just shining on me. Walked up the steps, walked through those double doors and I was there. I knew this is it. Everyone's going to recognize me. They're going to know now who I really am. Um, and that was not the case. <laughs> I seen one of my best friends in the hallway talking to the rest of the group. And um, I went up to her and tapped her on the shoulder and said, Hi. And she goes, Oh, hi. Have we met before? I said, yes, do you remember? And she said, no. And I was like, well, think back, freshman year, middle school, you know, we became best friends. And she had a huge smile on her face. And she was like, you could have walked past me 40 times. And I would just thought you were a new student. And she couldn't stop laughing. She was like in tears. Because I believe she knew before I did that I was going to be transgender. And it was so great to know that she still loved me for who I was. It was wonderful. Imagine that Samantha's friend was crying because she felt so much joy at seeing Samantha really be herself. And it struck me because that was true too in the interview that we did with Aiden about his transition and also the interview we did with Aiden's mom. The feeling of joy when a transgender person really gets to be who they actually are. Here's our last story. This is Molly from Freeport, and I'm going to tell the story of how I came out to my entire high school. Um, so it was my freshman year of high school, and I started to realize I had feelings for this girl, and so I kind of had to admit to myself that I was gay, and I kind of had, you know, a little bit of an inkling beforehand, but it was um, the first gay relationship in our high school ever, which was pretty intimidating. You know, and it was pretty scary because it's hard enough being gay. And then on top of that, she was a senior and I was a freshman. Um, and we kept it secret for a while. We told our parents pretty much right off. We wanted them to know. And slowly we kind of told our very close friends. Um, we actually, like, 
typed it on a phone and passed it to one of our friends for the very first person we came out to because we were just so afraid, you know. It was the end of the year, and we were kind of coming upon this big deadline. Prom was coming up, and we weren't sure if we should go or not. And it was her senior prom, so I didn't want to hold her back and keep her from going. Um, So we were kind of trying to decide, like, should you ask a boy who you're friends with just so you can go? Should you not go at all? Or should we go together? It was like a week and a half before prom, and we were like, let's just make this like our big debut to the school. So I bought this dress uh, last minute off the racks. It was like $15 because it was clearance, basic black and white. Um, It was a masquerade, so we bought matching masks so that people would know that we were a couple. And we got ready at my friend's house, and, um, you know, she tied the mask on me, and I tied hers on. This was a nice moment to share um, before this big kind of leap of faith. So my house was right down the street from where the prom was because I live right down the street from a hotel. And we walked up my street. It was, like, nighttime. All of us walked up the street, and it was kind of like a movie. Like, we were all spread out so there was like a big row of us and we were taking up the whole street and uh but we get up to the hotel and we have to go inside and you know she kind of grabs my hand which is a big step because that's very you know we're together we're a couple um and so we walk up to the sign-in desk like that and um, my Spanish teacher was signing people in and she you know kind of smiled so it was really nice to have that kind of opening support from an adult, but then we had to kind of make the big leap and step into the room. We were a little early, so it wasn't really full of kids yet, so that was kind of nice. We got our table, and it was like a little breathing space before the crowd started coming. And, you know, kids started showing up, and the dance started, and we got up, and we held hands, and we walked over to the dance floor. There was a crowd of people, and I was expecting them to all, you know, stare and be like, oh my gosh, look at these lesbians who showed up to our prom. Um, But it kind of felt pretty seamless. Like, I thought it would be, I think it was harder in my head than it was to actually do it. I just didn't want to be judged by all these older kids and then have to spend the rest of my years kind of that, like, token lesbian at our high school who would, like, come out in prom and was, like, a big gay person I don't know there was one kid who made some snide comment but we kind of just let that roll off of us because we had a lot of you know kids in her class coming up to us and saying oh are you guys dating are you guys a couple and we were like yeah yes and they were like that's so cool that's awesome and I was like okay you know what this isn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be this is normal At this moment in history, when so much is changing, and what is normal is getting more and more inclusive, we want to close by paying tribute to Betsy Parsons, who's been the inspiration and guiding force behind this whole series. Betsy had the courage to come out as a lesbian high school teacher at a time when very few teachers anywhere felt safe enough to do that. She was one of the first advisors to a gay-straight trans alliance in a main high school, and currently serves on the board of GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network.
Betsy has accompanied and supported each of the teenagers that we've interviewed on this program. So I asked her to share some reflections about what that's been like for her. There are losses and intensity of the effects of homophobia that are certainly a part of their lives, but they're starting from a new and different place in relation to those difficulties. And so for someone in my generation, I mean, I, I came out to myself as we were learning about AIDS and HIV, as Charlie Howard was being murdered in Maine. Um, you know, I mean, it was just such a, a terrible time to come out as an LGBT person. Um, and I look at what they're coming out into, and I, I realize just, I mean, it's so moving to me to see what, what we have won for them and with them and what they are continuing to win for those who are coming. It's um, really, it's just deeply, deeply moving to me. And so, frankly, it just makes me feel um, so grateful to be allowed to witness it. I mean, to realize that, yes, we have been through some really difficult decades here in Maine and across the country um, and around the world, of course. But what a blessing for me. It's, I think I didn't anticipate exactly what it would feel like to hear what they take as a given that was a permanent no in my world for decades. And they take yes as a given. Yes, of course I have the possibility of building a relationship and a family with the person that I love. Of course I will be able to marry if, if I choose. Of course I, I will be able to work in whatever work I feel called to in, and, you know, in order to give my gifts in the way that makes sense to me, and the world will say, yes, thank you. Not, no, you're worthless, right? I mean, it's just, it's so different. They know it might be hard along the way and that they might have to take some hits. I don't think we live in a world where they're not going to take hits, <laughs> even the strongest of them. But um, they really have a different anticipation of yes, and, and that is something I didn't expect. I probably rationally should have, but emotionally I didn't. I didn't, and I'm really so grateful for it. That was Betsy Parsons of the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. As we sign off, I want to offer one last recommendation. There's a book called Out and Allied, Volume 2, that was just published by Adverb Productions at the University of New England here in Maine. It's an anthology of performance pieces written by LGBTQ youth and allies. The book also includes a section on working with religious communities to affirm and support LGBTQ youth. If you like the stories you heard today and would like to find more like them, check out Out and Allied. Also, if you did not get a chance to hear the whole show today and you'd like to, please go to our website at safespaceradio.com. You can subscribe there to get a weekly email to that week's show. You can also download the show for your morning commute on your smartphone. You can write a comment if you would like to. We'd love to hear from you. You can also download the show from iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. My thanks today to Gabe Graben for producing the show, Maurice Lennon for the intro music, and Jim Russell for being our consultant. Coming up next is Speak Freely.